You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, Mark Hatmaker here coming to you from the Comancheria. Today let's talk about something that seems probably a little at uh, odds with uh, all of our work on being a rough and tumble warrior, a badass with a rough and tumble. Let's talk about uh, compassionate warriors. Kindness is self-defense. I know it seems like they're uh, two they're poles apart, but actually throughout many, many warriorship traditions, well, they go hand in glove or hand in gauntlet, if you will. Let's begin with two lovely quotes to light the path and express distaste for why the argument may even need to be made about kindness. Uh, we'll talk about disappointed monkeys with long memories, tangled webs, cognitive load, and then we got the we walk the path rightly. We're gonna wind up right where we started. All right, let's open with a quote from Democritus: "To the wise and good man, the whole earth is his fatherland." Unquote. I love that one. Anyway, that quote is not mere platitude. Democritus was well-traveled in a day when traveling was hard. H-A-R-D, all capitals there, kids. And unlike many professors of doctrine, he ate his own cooking. All right? That is, he has skin in the game. That is, he practiced what he preached. He esteemed the value of cheerfulness in inward and outward demeanor and was widely known as the laughing philosopher because, well, yeah, I bet you can guess why he was called that. The guy had just, uh, he was a cheerful guy. Keep in mind, a time when life was tough, and again, he practiced what he preached, which is hard to do. Most of what we read, we sit back with academic philosophies and platitudes and creeds, and many religions, if we're honest with ourselves, they're mere words upon pages, and seldom do they, and they they leave uh, the, 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 the comfy chair where we read these words. Again, that quote, to the wise and good man, the whole earth is his fatherland. Now let's go on to our next quote. Our next path light is a blessing from a, it's a Navajo ideal. It's a, it couldn't be sung, it can just uh, be recited, but I just love this. Here we go, quote, I have been to the end of the earth. I have been to the end of the waters. I have been to the end of the sky. I have been to the end of the mountains. I have found none that are not my friends, unquote. Okay, now these are astonishingly similar messages, thousands and thousands of miles apart, thousands of years apart, and yet both make claims for traveling far and finding friends everywhere, finding kinship, not just where one began, but where one stands at any given moment. Now, on the surface, both beacon insights are simply lovely little bonbons, little pieces of candy. We admire them, chew them a bit in the mind, and we move on to our next petty annoyance, or more commonly, indifference to humanity that is not housed under our own roofs. Now, we're, we got to ask ourselves, were Democritus and our Navajo warriors simply remarkably lucky in that they met no one who was unpleasant, anyone who annoyed them? Well, in the harsh, unforgiving landscapes of their times and their environments, well, hell, that's highly unlikely. We're talking about strife and warfare, hell, just struggling to exist. That was far tougher than we got it today, despite any all the bitching and complaining we got going on here. We are 21st century pampered gods. Rather, Democritus provides the, uh, the key. The wise and good man, as he says, the wise good man or woman finds homes everywhere. And I wager our Navajo warrior would agree the common denominator is not that either of these travelers was simply lucky in who they encountered. It is rather that all the travelers who met Democritus and our Navajo warrior, well, they were the lucky ones. Uh, these met ones were walking their own path. Uh, this is the Navajo warrior democracy. They were doing their own thing when they encountered good and wise men determined to know them. Travelers determined not merely to collide and skew off in billiard ball randomness of earthly encounters. Rather, the wise and good were determined to meet and enjoy friends 
everywhere. Now, the common denominator is not luck and who is met, but choice and the demeanor and who is doing the meeting. And again, it's up to the traveler themselves. Are you going to go, I hope I meet some great people? Well, what if you turned out to be the great person who walked around meeting other people and you find the greatness in within you or they reflect what's ever within you? Now, here's the distasteful bit about what we're discussing here. It still might sound platitude, but please stay with me. This is really significant. If you already have an eye that being just and good and pleasantly demeanored is a given, then the calculating uh, question of why is it wise to be compassionate and kind that follow may sit a bit better in the tongue. I get that. There should be no argument for about why we should be kind. And uh, often when we have discussions like this, you're going, it sounds like we're gamifying uh, human life, saying, well, be good and kind and people will be nice to you and get what you want in the world, right? Yeah, I, I personally hate that, even though we might have the same outcomes where everyone's kind of being kind. But some people are using others as means, and other people are honestly wanting to see you, see your soul, man, get to know who you are. And again, personally, I feel that the right thing to do is the right thing to do, and it has no need of justification. I know that's a bit of a circular logic there, but I'm just stating how I feel. I offer what follows in the remaining of this in response to certain life hack advice that treats people as means rather than as people. Advice that smacks of uh, using relationships as strategies or paths to power or sees people as pawns to seduce rather than ars gratia uh, artis, that is, joys that the individuals are. All these Robert Greene books, The Laws of Power and Mastery, and all that, these are remarkably distasteful uh, to me. I mean, there can be scholarship in them, even though it seems slipshod in a way, and all, all this the advice butts up against each other and winds up contradicting, but it's still mainly to go, here's how to be powerful, and they go, well, there's nothing powerful in just being a dick. Ah, forgive me dropping that way. Anyway, let's go on. Let's talk about simians, uh, our, our ancestors, I mean, our ancestors, our brethren, uh, uh, monkeys. Mammals are social bookkeepers, primates in particular. Humans, perhaps even more so, because we often write it all down and don't trust our memory. We like to know who was naughty and who was nice. Uh, and, you know, Santa called those, those hist- uh, his list, and uh, when we write them down, we call them history books in school, all right? We want to know who's, who's copacetic, right? Well, animal ethologists have been probing simian behavior for decades. Pertinent to today's sermon, monkeys and apes of all kinds have been subjected to an experiment in fairness, which in essence takes the following form. Monkey A will learn a task. Uh, uh, that Once it performs task A, it gets a cucumber slice as a reward. Well, now monkey B is brought in, performs the exact same task, but receives a more coveted sweet grape as uh, a reward rather than the cucumber slice. Monkey A is allowed to witness this disparity in treatment. When monkey A performs uh, task A and receives the next cucumber slice, monkey A often tosses it and disgusts. Monkey A is exhibiting a sense of justice. It's uh, akin to saying with the action, saying, hey, what the hell, man? I mean, uh, he gets a grape, I get some friggin' cucumber. Are you kidding me? Reciprocity is in our mammalian, our simian marrow bones. Uh, monkey, uh, monkey A felt slighted because he was treated differently. Monkey B sees monkey A continually shortchanged. And at some point, this actually happens. Monkey B will earn a grape and then saunter over and offer it to monkey A. You get that? Monkey A accepts it gratefully and often in turn shares their next reward or grooms monkey B. Selfish, unthinking behavior was the expected. They didn't think this sharing to ever occur. Well, hell, that wasn't the case, at least not with most monkeys. Start paying, as long as you're paying attention to one, uh, one another, there's the kindness. If we're looking at this in a so-called lesser species, we should expect not lesser, less than and, and ourselves, well, we should have it more. We should have it in space. It should be exponentially accelerated. Now, here's a self-experiment and recollection. Uh, I'm talking to you. You, that's right. You're, who is listening to this right now? You ever hold the door for a stranger? 
likely you have. If so, there are three outcomes may have occurred. One, you hold the door and they say, well, thank you. You feel good. They feel good. And likely you a wee bit better as the action taker, right? Two, uh, reaction two, you hold the door. They say thank you. And in turn, they hold the next door for you or for someone else in reciprocity for what they just experienced. You feel good. They feel good. You feel even better if you see them door holding as you feel that you just started that cascade of kindness. Okay, it's pretty sweet, huh? Well, we also have reaction number three. You hold the door, and that person you held the door open for, uh, they, they say nothing. And just walk through without a look back. You contemplate pulling the door off the hinges and bashing them with it. You don't, but you ponder it like a monkey slice through one, uh, a monkey. Uh, the ungrateful feeling of whenever someone says nothing, um, they just walk through. They don't even see it. They, their, their emotional uh, core says nothing happens. You, on the other hand, you don't really feel worse for having held the door or, or the, uh, you're a dupe for even trying to be kind. You still feel oddly benevolent, sort of a position of, well, at least some of us still value manners, man. Uh, now, although your kindness was ignored, there's still a burst of gene deep, I did the right thing, man. And by the way, you did, too. So in a sense, you still wind up on the winning side of the equation there. Now, to be clear, uh, our door handling reaps positive rewards and thank yous and reciprocities far, far more often than Captain and Mistress Oblivious nothings right there. But even whenever that doesn't happen, you still feel bone deep that you did the right thing. And that's your mental bookkeeping going on. We pay attention to how others behave. We're going to, well, that guy always says thank you. That guy, not so much over there. But you also know what you do, and you're paying attention to that. You're being consistent with whatever you say you value. Now, we primates keep tabs. It's the foundation of our sense of justice, our sense of fairness. We are social bookkeepers with an eye on keeping accounts equitable. And there we begin to see the wisdom that Democritus and our Navajo warriors profess, rather than simply repaying social debts. Oh, he held the door for me. Now I'm going to pay it forward. Okay, that's one way to go. And then it's a lovely way to go. Our compassionate warrior becomes the initiator in all compassionate kindness that he or she can. The compassionate warrior knows that reciprocity and cascading actions are the norm far above the outlayer of the vacuum of indifference. Our acts, good or bad, are essentially cue balls on breaks sending a cascade of similar effects among the other players we make contact with. So we do good. It has a tendency to kind of move around out there in the world. Bad, not so much. See, no matter how far Democritus, the Navajo warrior, perhaps you travel, the initiating action of kindness has good odds that you will reap like in return. Now, let's not think about tangled webs and cognitive load. We're all aware of this. Uh, we've heard this quote before of, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive. Well, that's from Walter Scott's Marmion, a tale of uh, the flawed and field. The, the liar must keep up with what lie was told to who and the add-on lies that were told to support lie number one. Lies take a good deal of cognitive effort. Truth, not nearly as much bandwidth. If you ask me to lie about something, i got to think about it and put it together. You ask me what two plus two is, they get to four pretty easily, and I don't ever have to think about anything else. I don't have to think about the answer. I don't have to think about it afterwards. And recall, if I told Tom it was five, and I told Paul at the 16, I got to keep all these things together. That's too much, man. I, I don't have enough time for that. I got, you know, lovely things out there in the world to see, many things to do. 
Well, see, the same thing holds for a cue ball of action. If we begin cascades of kindness, never do we sweat. Will this come back to bite me, man? No, if you're doing something kind, you don't have, there's no cognitive load. You, you did the kind thing, you're good to go. Whereas if our day is filled with flipping off this driver and I'm rude to that server, if I'm abrupt with that loved one, I tweeted that bit of venom. Well, only the good Lord knows why that person might be walking straight towards you in the parking lot. And what is in your creamy bisque serving at this particular restaurant or what the loved one ponders while you were away being unpleasant elsewhere. Kind actions require little cognitive and strategic bandwidth. It leaves you more time to think about strategy and lovely things and stay in copacetic. Now, unkind and mendacious actions, well, a lot of time and energy must go into preservation and protection of the initial action you instigated. Now, let's talk about allies and enemies. The compassionate warrior via small access, door holding, etc., is creating an immediate tribe of allies in each fatherland you visit. Aesthetically, one is kind because it's the thing to do. Strategically, well, it is far wiser to be kind than unkind. Let's hear those two beacons one more time. Here it is, Democritus, to the wise and good man, the whole earth is his fatherland. And to our Navajo blessing, I have been to the end of the earth, I have been to the end of the waters, I have been to the end of the sky. I've been to the end of the mountains. I have found none that are not my friends. Well, to that I say, uh, huzzahs, you compassionate, wise, and good warriors everywhere. In the show notes, I'll, I'll post a, uh, I'll provide a link for a print version of this if you want to have a look at that and maunder it or chew over it more. And uh, not everything we do around here at the uh, Rough and Tumble Rack and Tour podcast or over the web store is all this uh, kind of uh, sermonizing. I still think it is. I think it's wise to take a look at the internal and the external. We do a lot of violent stuff but always with a good copacetic spirit. So please head over to store, extremeselfprotection.com. Have a look at our black box program, all of our old school boxing, rests on Frontier Rough and Tumble. Other than that, though, take care of yourselves. Hold the door open for someone. No matter what response you get, you did the right thing. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. Mm-hmm.